0: This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Diamond Shine. Diamond Shine is the premier car wash chemical manufacturer dedicated to maximizing the profitability and performance of car washes nationwide. Visit DiamondShine.com today to learn from the industry experts. Welcome to The How of Car Washing. The podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of the Howard Car Washing. This is Henry Lopez, and we also have with us today... David Begin. So today's episode is about recruiting. Recruiting our staff... Uh, it's part of the overall hiring process, but what we're going to do is break up into multiple episodes this big, broad topic that is such an important topic, David.
1: Yeah, it's probably the most challenging part of a car wash manager's job is to try to recruit good quality employees.
0: Yeah, just finding people to apply, how how do we find them? It's a big, it's a big challenge in all small businesses. In fact, when I ask people what some of their, Biggest existing challenges are, regardless of industry, that comes up attracting yeah. the right labor, and for yeah. the most part, we're talking about here hourly wage employees, and so that has its particular challenges.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've got different businesses that we own, Henry, and we've got uh, some businesses where recruiting is not really an issue, mm-hmm. and we've got some businesses like the car wash business where it's it's a it's a big issue.
0: Yeah. So let's get into it. Why why is it such a challenge for most? car wash operators, managers to even get people to apply.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those industries that most people don't think about applying for. So you might grow up and your dad was in the construction industry or your dad was a tradesman. He might have been a plumber or electrician or a welder. And you were exposed to that uh, that lifestyle, that environment. And uh, you might have wanted to got into um that's our dog in the background there. <laughs> the guard dog, uh, or the car the, wash, <laughs> the car wash guard dog. But uh, you know, you you might have said, "Well, I want to grow up and be a welder. I want to grow up and be a plumber." And it's one of those uh, trades where there's a you know, it's it's relatively established. There's quite a few people in it, and most people are exposed to it, so they they have some idea of what it's about. Um, car washing is a relatively small industry still, comparatively. And there's not a lot of experience. People don't have a lot of experience in that industry. You don't usually go to college or you don't go to high school and say, you know, what do you want to do? I want want to work at a car wash. It traditionally has not connected with people that a car wash is the place that I would want to work and want to invest my time and uh, build a career out of.
0: Yeah, of course. You also have the element, especially where your car washes are, which is in Colorado Springs, Colorado, of the elements because it's mostly an outdoor job. Yeah, yeah.
1: I would I would say there there's some elements of it that make it a little challenging too. It is physical labor, so it takes uh, takes some physical labor to be able to work at a car wash because there's quite a bit of uh, either equipment maintenance or cleaning in different sorts. Um, so there's, there's the physical aspect of it and there's an outdoor aspect of it too. So um, if people are not comfortable working outdoors or if they're not comfortable in the elements, you tend to eliminate quite a few applicants who might prefer working indoors or might prefer working in what I would consider to be a more comfortable environment.
0: Yeah, and it's also obviously a wet environment to some extent. But I think people have this perception that it's a dirty environment. Where where does that come from? Is that part of the challenge?
1: I think so. I think uh, when car washes were predominantly full-service car washes, I think it had a relatively low reputation, to be honest. It was like, well, if I can't do anything else, I can certainly get a job at a car wash because the entry-level positions for most full-service car washes are vacuuming or drying a car, and, you know, the turnover turnover rates in those areas are still pretty historically are, are pretty high. You know, you might do it for two or three weeks, you know, before you get your real job, or if you're if you're getting in a situation where you're coming out of uh, prison, you know, that might have been a job that you have taken. So, it, it's got a reputation issue as well as, um, you know, if, if you couldn't do anything else, you'd go work for a car wash. Now, that's changed quite a bit. In the last uh, probably 10 or 15 years, and with 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 the advent of technology and the advent of more sophisticated equipment, it's requiring a higher level type of employee. And the fact that you know there aren't as many full service car washes anymore, so the, the needs for just a, a laborer are becoming less and less.
0: Yeah, to, to that point, you you own car washes, you talk to a lot of other car wash operators, you've known people in the industry for a while. Is this a challenge uh, regardless of the type of wash, whether it's an exterior express or full, or, or full service, or are there some differences there?
1: No, there it's, it, it's a challenge. It's more challenging for flex-serve car washes where it's kind of a hybrid between exterior and full service. And for full service car washes, because you're talking about employing anywhere between 15 to 50 people, depending on the size of the of the operation. You have quite a few people you have to hire and to keep people staffed and keep people trained. The labor issues are are tremendous when you start getting into more services within a car wash industry. Not as much in the exterior express business, but still it's, it's still the same issue as faring. As far as being able to find good quality employees. So it's challenging. It's challenging. You know, you, you're, you're competing against other industries as well. So people are deciding, do I want to work at a car wash? Or if I'm a general laborer, could I go work in a construction industry? Or could I do something along those lines um, where they think they might have a better, you know, better future as far as developing skills?
0: Right. And that makes it even more challenging if we're like we are now, where we're in a building boom, then those people are getting those jobs. And so it makes it even harder to attract that same from that same pool of potential workers, right?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, you get people who don't think about being in the, because the people that we hire, most of them, if you ask them, they, they said they didn't seek out working at a car wash. Mm. They, you know, they ended up, for lack of a better word, they end up stumbling into it through through the recruitment process or finding out more about it but most people don't start off thinking that and so that's the biggest challenge is you don't have if you take a look at people that uh, work in food service for example if they go from a restaurant you know they work at a restaurant for a year or two and then they quit and they go work for another restaurant i would say for the most part they pretty much know what they're getting into but most people that we hire who haven't worked in the car wash industry don't have a very good idea of what they're getting into and so we'll talk about that when it comes to hiring and training. But you know, they're, it's they they really don't understand the car wash industry. Even even when you hire them, they still don't understand the car wash industry.
0: Yeah, David, let me go off on that tangent for a moment, though, as it relates to then on that point. Does that have you found that that impacts then how you post or how you advertise a position? In other words, to this point of. What do you say or not say because people don't know what it's like to work in a car wash and you don't want them to disqualify that opportunity based on what they don't know. Does that Has that influenced how you advertise for positions?
1: It does. It does influence that. We've been using the term car care industry, so we're looking for customer service people in the car care industry, which is a little bit more broad than car washing. But I think it opens up our... Potential applicants. When we use those broader terms of car care industry, and we make we describe we describe what they do at the car wash with, without actually talking about the car wash. Um, so yeah, that that's been a strategy that we've used for the past three to five years, which I think has helped our potential pool of candidates.
0: And do you think the larger wash chains have an advantage on this, and and why? Yeah, certainly
1: I think they've got a major advantage. I think they're able to hire. Um, you know, they're able to their their hiring process I think is more streamlined. I think they do it consistently. I think they've got people who probably focus on hiring and they got people who focus on training. But I think one of the advantages that a larger chain has over a smaller chain, and I consider myself a smaller chain, is giving people an opportunity to see what the future looks like. So if they feel like they've got some opportunity in the future, I think you're gonna attract a higher quality employee. In many cases, if they think they want to move up from being a customer service person to being a shift leader to being a site manager to being an area manager, there's opportunities when you're talking about car washes that are 10 and above to be able to do those things. And if they're seeing the, the owner or the company that they're working for continually adding additional sites, they realize that there's, there's going to be opportunity for them if they do a good job.
0: We will expand more on this topic in future episodes because you're touching on something there that when we're talking about, for example, millennials, we can talk about that for hours. That's one of the things that they tend to look for. And yes, certainly how much you're going to pay me is important, but my opportunities for growth and development are also a big component of what they're looking for. And what you're saying is a larger chain might have more of those opportunities for growth than a smaller one unit operator might have.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think they've got much more uh, opportunity. And I think they've probably have developed and refined their hiring and training processes. They might actually, they probably do have like an HR department that does nothing but making sure they do the recruiting and the hiring, and they've got probably a training department that makes sure that people are trained properly. So it's a much more formalized process, I think, for the larger operators than it is for smaller operators who don't have the time or the resources to devote to those activities.
0: Yeah, so I think the takeaway for the smaller operator, uh, the operator has one unit or two locations, is you have to develop those procedures, those systems, so that you do have those things in place. And we'll talk about in future episodes how you can begin to perhaps offer those employees, those prospective employees, the, the right things that maybe they're looking for beyond just pay. So it, it's not that it can't be done by a smaller operator. Is that your point is that usually a larger chain has those things in place already.
1: Sure, absolutely, absolutely.
0: All right, so we, we've talked about the obvious, we all know that, that we're hiring typically unskilled labor. We're, we're probably talking about a blue collar person related to what they've done prior. Uh, they are hourly wage employees, but you're looking for this, this combination, which can be tricky, at least in your environment, you've been looking for a combination of technical skills, hopefully some mechanical skills, or at least being comfortable in that environment. But then also customer service skills. And so you're asking for something that's not often found, right? Yeah, it's that, tough. that person usually has worked behind the scenes, not customer facing.
1: yeah, yeah, you're looking for people who have a combination of all three, and that can be very, very challenging. I think if I were looking for you know the the typical person, they would have capabilities in all three of those areas. I think even now, you know, we used to not require people that have computer skills, but anymore, Especially as we're expanding our Unlimited program, the need for all employees to be able to use computers is important. And there's still a pretty high percentage of unskilled labor uh, people out there that don't have good computer skills. So getting them up to speed on computer skills is very important. Customer service skills, I think, are the, is the most important aspect of this. I would rather have somebody that was great with customers and maybe not have mechanical skills. Then the other way around, because the customer service part, I think, is the most important aspect of what we do. And then getting somebody not, it could be with mechanical skills, but I would also probably say the other thing I would look for is does somebody have mechanical aptitude? And I think the mechanical aptitude is the one attribute of an employee that would keep them interested and stay with the car wash because there's so much to learn. And if people like working on equipment, there's just an absolute ton of equipment in a car wash that um, somebody with mechanical skills or mechanical aptitude can work on.
0: Yeah, and we're going to dive in on that a little bit more in the next episode of how do you measure for, look for, test for those things in the interviewing process and the hiring process. But, you know, David, if I would have asked you this question maybe five years ago, you might have answered differently as to where customer service falls in the equation, right?
1: That's probably true. And when I've got good customers, employees that aren't mechanically oriented, then I might change my story and say, (laughs) I need mechanical people. But I I think overall, I would rather have somebody who's really good with customers. I think that's probably the most important thing. And then somebody who's able to, you know, able to look at things, diagnose things, fix things, be able to notice when things are broken. They don't have to necessarily have mechanical skill, but I think it is important for them to have mechanical aptitude, which means they're interested in it.
0: I was just reading an article, and we'll, we'll dive into this a bit more in a subsequent episode, of what employers are looking for most, and it's problem-solving skills is number one. And I think you're kind of touching on that as problem-solving skills in this environment are important as well.
1: Yeah, the the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that I've talked to over the last 10 years is how do you teach people critical thinking skills? To, can you teach people critical thinking skills, or do people come with critical thinking skills? And I still don't have the answer to that. But when you're able to get a hold of somebody that's got good critical thinking skills, it makes all the difference in the world. Which means they can they can look at a problem and create a process to be able to solve that problem, whether it's an employee problem, whether it's a customer problem, or whether it's an equipment problem.
0: Yeah. But the other thing you've done in at your washes is you have someone on staff who is the mechanical person, who is the maintenance person. You've got at least one of your site managers who's very competent in that area. That it seems has allowed you to hire more customer service oriented staff. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think, and again, this is where a larger chain might actually have an advantage. I know some larger chains in my area will have a maintenance team and then that's all they do. They, They basically work evenings and nights and they go around to each car wash and, and take care of maintenance and repair issues. And then the the staff people just really have to worry about the customer service part of it, for the most part. But but again, I think that's where larger chains even might have an advantage, where they can get people to specialize. Where if you're not a larger chain, if you're a small car wash operator, it can be difficult. You You're looking for somebody with that combination of mechanical and customer service. If you get somebody... Anybody on your team that's really good mechanically, I think you got to at least have one person per car wash who's mechanically oriented. And if you've got that person, and if they're customer service oriented, then that's even better. But if they're they're not, that's not necessarily their strong suit. You can surround them with people that are.
0: This episode of the How of Car Washing is sponsored by Diamond Shine. Diamond Shine is the premier car wash chemical manufacturer dedicated to maximizing the profitability and performance of car washes. Efficiently producing clean, dry, and shiny cars nationwide, Diamond Shine helps operators create a top-notch wash experience and satisfied repeat customers. From branding and marketing to on-site problem-solving, Shine's team delivers results. Visit Diamondshine.com today to learn more from the industry experts. All right, Dave, I want to shift now to the topic of a bit more on the recruiting side. And and as we say sometime, who your target avatar or target employee is, what what they look like. You've given us a lot of thought. So how do you go about defining that that then in part you help to compare this prospective employee to?
1: I would say it's a process of looking at your really good employees and say, what are the characteristics of your good employees? What are what are the types of skills they have? Um, what makes them a great employee? And this is this is a project. This is something that you should really spend some time on is identify what are some of the characteristics of, a, of your good employees? Where did they come from? So where did you hire them from? What industry or what backgrounds did they have? Um, what characteristics do they have? So, things like do they like outdoor work? So, if they're outdoor people, then they might have a tendency to like outdoor work. Um, If they're mechanically inclined or they got mechanical aptitude, so what are some sources of of people that come to you that would have mechanical aptitude or be mechanically inclined? So, maybe they worked with their parents on vehicles. So, we, we ask questions along the lines of do you know, do you, do you work on your own car? Do you like to fix things? And then ask them for examples along those areas to figure out if they're mechanically inclined. Have they had other jobs where they've had customer service roles, where they've had to deal with the public, ask them about uh, those type of things? Are they literally physically able to do the job? So it's because it's a, it's a pretty busy environment for the most part. When things get busy at a car wash, you got to have people who are physically able to do the job. So you got a people that have um, the right amount of stamina and the right amount of dexterity. So they got to be able to lift things. They got to be able to carry things. They got to be able to move quickly from one area of the car wash to the other. So now those are some characteristics I think that we look for when we talk about our our ideal employee. But you got to be able to identify that. I think it's a it's it takes some work, but I think if you put some brain power around it and really identify you know, characteristics of your good employee when you start your recruiting process, you need to make sure that you incorporate that into your job descriptions and the type of people that you look for.
0: Right, and we're going to dive into the whole interviewing strategy and these types of questions as David just gave you examples of in the next episode in this series. The, the takeaway here is you need to start developing this baseline or this avatar, understanding and studying what are these characteristics in your best employees so that now you have something to base a comparison on and to ask questions to try to find similar employees right
1: yeah yeah and there are there are tools out there that can help you there are consultants out there that can help you do this the the tool we'll talk about assessment tools a little later on in in another episode but we've got an assessment tool where we take our best the characteristics of the best people So I might say, I really like this customer service person, but I can't really put my finger on why I like them, why they do such a great job. Well, if I compare that person with three other people that I like and I put them all together, there are tools out there that will create a model for what you might consider to be an ideal candidate. And as you interview people, you can match your applicants up against what's considered to be an ideal candidate and see how they compare.
0: And what we have found, though, is like you said, if you do the work and you do the research, you will find these common characteristics or backgrounds or experiences that your best employees do have. It doesn't always match up, lined up perfectly, but there are these common things, and you touched on them. You know, what they did before seems obvious, but the characteristics of that work. Have they done physical type work before? Do they like working outdoors? Are they mechanically inclined? What is their customer service history? These are things that you're going to find as you analyze the characteristics and background of your best employees that are in common. And so you use that then as a baseline to judge whether a prospective employee is going to be a fit. Right. All right, let's talk about then sources of recruitment. What has worked? I mean, we've tried everything over the course of the last... 10 years or so that we've been in different businesses. But what's working now? What what has been the best source of new employees recently?
1: Yeah, it's just it's a it's a different it's different for different people. And the one thing I want to point out here before we get started is your mileage is going to vary depending on where you're at. So depending on what part of the country you're in, depending on a lot of different factors, what works for me might not work for you, and what doesn't work for me might work very well for you. Um, you know, one one reason might be that you've, you've focused on a certain area, you've focused on the college student and you've been very successful with that because you've got colleges in your town and you've been able to recruit those people and bring them in where maybe I haven't been able to do a very good job of that. Then that might be a factor of me not being able to figure out how to tap that market very effectively. Or it might be that it's just a different environment, a different uh, its just a, you know, geographically um, kids in certain parts of the country might be more willing to, uh, to work at car washes in a college town where they weren't. So there's really no one answer for that, but I will tell you, you've got to be able to find those rich sources or rich veins of potential good quality candidates. You've got to be able to tap into that in your environment and figure out what works and doesn't work. And you've got to be able to try lots of different things. And you might even go back and retry it. You might have tried it a few years ago, it didn't work, but you're gonna go back and retry and see if you can get a little better luck.
0: Yeah, excellent point. So there's all kinds of online sites that come and go that gain popularity. You know, a couple of years ago, I would have told you Craigslist was the best source and not that that's not a good source now, but it changes over time. We've used sites like Indeed. We've used college posting boards. Uh, What about recruiters or recruiting services? Uh,
1: recruiting services are good to some extent. I think for the type of employee that we hire, sometimes recruiting services have are going to be challenged to uh, get those people to to apply. Um, if you're hiring high-level, higher-level people, that might be helpful. But uh, I would say probably at the level, the entry level that we're hiring at, you're probably going to have to do it do it yourself. Would be my guess. Um, you know, we, we've been using Indeed, and we've had some pretty good success with that uh, because Indeed does uh, go out to a lot of different uh, job sites. Some people go directly to Indeed, but Indeed is a, is a good product that goes out to, uh, to lots of different sites. And if you pay a little bit for it, so if you're out recruiting and you, um, you put a budget of 10 or 15 bucks a, a day on top of it, it'll boost your postings and it will get out to more people and sometimes that's very helpful as well so yeah definitely job job boards is one area i think on-site recruiting i think is important so, so you have people that are interested in the car wash we've hired some really good employees that way where you just make sure that you do advertising on site that you're hiring good quality people have them coming up and fill out an application and uh and you'll get you'll get quite a few walk-ups too so th- these are two that i think you definitely should do no matter what I think it's important. The other one that we're really going to focus on this year is employee referrals. So the best sources of good employees could be from other from the employees that you currently have and then like like working for you. So you know, compensate them for that. So we have a compensation plan that says if the employee uh, is in good standing within 90 days, then the employee that referred them uh, gets a bonus. So we encourage them and bonus them to to talk to people about, uh, our car wash and coming to work for us. And we've gotten a number of
0: good employees that way as well. What about job and workforce centers? Have we tried that recently?
1: We have tried that. We've gotten very success with that, but we're going to try that again this year. I think, you know, people that are looking for work, it's, it's a good place to start. And they usually will have tools in your area, whether it's your town or state on getting your information out. So, uh, you know, workforce centers are good, job centers are good. These are people who are typically unemployed looking for work, and they can tend to be a little bit more motivated than others.
0: Military recruiting, I know you talked about that. how was there anything different that you've done to try to attract ex-military?
1: We have. I think if we're hiring at a little bit a higher level, we will uh, we will do military recruiting, I think. Military individuals have some pretty decent benefits, even when they're in the military. They might not make a lot of money, but they got some good benefits. And when they come out of the military, they're sort of comparing that against what you were able to offer. But if we're hiring for shift leaders or above, sometimes we'll, uh, we'll target the military, people coming out of the military. And we've had some luck with that. Um, and we're in, a, we're in a pretty high density military town here in Colorado Springs. We've got five military installations. So there's quite a few people here who are military and are leaving the military as well. So, yeah, that's, that could be a source. We probably could do a better job in that area, but it's certainly a source of people. And if you get somebody who does work for you, they've got a lot of the, the skills and the characteristics and the work ethic and the discipline that you'd be looking for as a good employee.
0: So, David, one thing I know we've experimented with from a job posting perspective is there's there's two extremes. You can post everything about the company and the environment and who we are and what the position is about and, the, uh, and obviously the fact that it's a car wash or it's a more blind approach to try to get people to the earlier point to apply who might otherwise have dismissed a car wash as a working environment for them outright. What, what is working for you lately on that spectrum? Yeah,
1: we're kind of in between right now. I think we do mention that we're a car wash. We're kind of back to that a little bit. But we try to come up with characteristics of people. So we go back to our, what I call our ideal employee, and we ask ourselves, what are some characteristics of that person? And we try to use those characteristics in the job description. So if you like somebody who is, you know, likes likes working with their hands, likes working outdoors... Uh, likes a fast-paced environment, likes customers. Yeah, those are some descriptors that we would put in a job description to try to attract the right type of employee. And as we talk about assessments later on, um, there are tools that can, when when you do get your ideal employer or model employee, um, some of these assessment tools will actually generate you a descriptor list of. If you had to describe that person in certain attributes, um, you would have a whole list of adjectives that you can use in a job description. So you want to be able to think about the adjectives you're putting in your job description uh, to make sure you attract the right type of person. So if I'm hiring an accountant, for example, I would say quiet, reserved, detail-oriented, independent worker. That's going to attract a certain type of person, hopefully the right type of person who would be an accountant versus somebody who works in a fast-paced environment, works with customers, likes equipment. I would want to put those descriptors in a, in a job description to attract that, 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 that type of person. So you need to think about your job descriptions and making sure you're using the right terminology in your job description to attract the right type of potential employee.
0: Yeah, one of the, I think, mistakes I see small business owners make on that point is that they don't put much thought into the crafting of the posting. And it's it's you got to think of it like any piece, other piece of advertisement. You are writing ad copy. It's just that it's to attract an employee, and you really have to give some thoughts to the words that you use and how you use them.
1: Yeah, yeah. and you want to make sure, um, yeah, exactly. And you want to put a lot of time into it. it's it's the it's the best investment you can make is helping you write a job description or write it write a uh, uh, job ad. And if you need to get some help with that, it would be it would be money well spent. I would I would get somebody to help you with that. Uh, timing of ads, I think is important too, Henry, we we'll probably to talk about that. Yeah, when yeah. when would when
0: because right, we've tried everything from Friday afternoons to Mondays. So what's been working the best here recently?
1: I think late in the week, like Thursday or Friday works pretty good because people um, you sort of have a little bit of an advantage. A lot of people post ads on Monday. Mm-hmm. So, so, well, we've got to hire somebody. Let's wait till Monday and post. And then they're competing with 20 or 50 other ads. If you post later in the week, you get the people who are doing job searches on weekends. So, these are people that might already have jobs that are looking for new jobs. But it also, there's a lot less noise out there on the job boards. So, I recommend posting later on in the week.
0: Yeah. And, and part of that is doing the research, going on to these same sources and searching for similar type jobs, search for the same types of jobs, not just car washes, but as we mentioned, as we know, uh, we're, the employees that are looking at us are also looking at other types of jobs. So look and see what's out there. And and that also guides to this point that I wanted to ask you, have you been including the starting wage in the postings?
1: Most of them require us to. Okay. Yes, we we, we do. Uh, we do put it in there because it's it's a require. Indeed, for example, requires it. Um, we try to, you know, let them know there are, there are other benefits that we offer. So here's the starting wage plus bonus programs. So we do have a bonus program as well. And then we let them know that there are some benefits that we do offer as well. So yeah, yeah. You've got to include that most times. And most people nowadays, most systems require that. But I'm also surprised a lot of times when you're talking to candidates, they don't even look at that and they have, they have no idea what the wage is.
0: Yeah. So speaking of wage, you offer something above minimum wage, correct?
1: We do. We do. We, we try to be a little bit above minimum wage for starting. You usually a dollar or two above minimum wage to start, and then you can go from there. So yeah, yeah, I, I would recommend. Uh, some don't. I mean, some car wash operators, you know, start at minimum wage, and then, then people get to work their way up. I think if you can, I think a dollar or two per hour, I believe, makes a difference to an employee, you know, difference between a $10 job, a $8 an hour job and a $10 an hour job, you know, if I think I can make a little bit more money. I mean, that's a 20% increase in what I'm making as a base wage. I think it attracts a little better quality employee. Yeah,
0: That's been our, our experience and we've applied that philosophy in, in a couple of our businesses. And this is, this is a big topic, folks. I, I get it. We're, we're talking about a s- significant portion of our expenses here with labor and the impact that has on it. But give it some thought, you might even if you decide you don't wanna start everyone at that higher salary, you might offer a range that includes that higher end, depending on their experience, for example. But what I have found traditionally having employed hourly wage workers at minimum or close to minimum for many, many years is sometimes even a five cent difference can make a difference. So it does, what we're looking to do with it, and we believe has helped us in our businesses is we get maybe a slightly better candidate pool to choose from, right?
1: I would agree with that, yeah. I think there is a slightly better better candidate pool. The other thing I struggle with is saying that people are making, for example, $10 an hour per plus bonuses. They might actually be making 12 to $13 an hour, but a lot of employees sometimes don't, don't equate the bonus no. as part of their compensation. They just remember and think about that they're only making 10 bucks an hour. So, part of the things I've thought about I don't have an answer here if would you are you just better off paying people twelve bucks an hour without a bonus, or are you better off paying people ten dollars an hour plus bonus
0: yeah this and this is gonna be a topic of another episode because it's such an important one this whole thing of teen bonus and for our listeners, if you've had an if you have an opinion on this, which you probably do, I encourage you to come on over to the how of car washing website and and share that because we'd love to discuss those different opinions. But we'll do a deeper dive on that on a subsequent episode because it's such a big point. Let me start to wrap it up with this last point. And we're going to repeat this and talk about this again in subsequent episodes on hiring. This whole concept of this being a continuous process as opposed to only when you need it. What are your philosophies on that?
1: Yeah, you've got to always be thinking about hiring. And I've got a few people in this industry that I think do a great job of that. If they find somebody that they like, like if they develop a relationship with somebody, and and the example I would think about would be a car wash operator that I know has a relationship with a rental car company, so they wash all their rental cars, and he got to know some of the employees at the rental car facility And he would have a personal conversation with them about possibly coming to work for him. So he was, he's very good about targeting individuals that he sees that have good work ethic that, you know, might have good critical thinking skills, might have good uh, other skills that they can bring to the table. He will have a personal conversation with them about uh, possibly coming to work for him. And he's very, very good at that. And he's constantly doing it. So You know, hiring and recruiting needs to be a continuous process. And I will tell you from somebody who doesn't like it, I suffer when I think about hiring. As boy, I'm glad that's over with. Now I can get back to my real job. Mm -hmm. I end up, uh, I end up regretting (laughs) those thoughts. I've got to think about it as a continuous process. And I would say, if you've got high turnover and you probably calculate your turnover on a semi-regular basis, but we 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 have high turnover at just the customer service. level. We call them geckos, but uh, customer service people, the people that do the loading in our exterior express car wash model. And and we've decided that we're going to start a hiring process every three to four weeks. Because if I look at my turnover rate, I'm probably hiring somebody every three or four weeks. And if I end up with an extra person, so be it. But we tend to find ourselves shorthanded many times because we have thought about the hiring process as being over with and when we went to this model last year of trying to hire every three to four weeks, it's made a big, big difference for us.
0: Yeah, great takeaways there. And one of them being this concept that it's not over at the hire. You're going to hear us talking about that in subsequent episodes on this topic. And that's the big mistake that small business owners, including us, uh, often make. But your right. point about you you can always find room for a talent that you find. And so you're always on the lookout to the example you gave of the gentleman that you know. And and that's an important way to look at it is he he'll find a place for a good person, right?
1: Sure, and if you end up with an extra person, so be it. So, so be it. you'll have an extra person for three or four weeks, maybe, and that's it. And then somebody might decide to quit or somebody just doesn't show up for work, which, which happens right. occasionally and as he, well. He's but.
0: continuing to raise that bar, right? So he continues to bring in A players such that that's what he has at all times.
1: Right, right. And this is something I think if you're going to be a good car wash operator, you're going to have to get good at, or you're going to have to find somebody who's good at this to help you with it. But if, if, you, if you don't like it and you're not good at it, and if you don't have help, this is going to be a constant source of pain for you.
0: All right. So let's start to wrap it up. I'd like to summarize kind of some of the key takeaways here that we've talked about. This episode has been in the focus of recruiting, which is the first step in this hiring process that we're going to break up into multiple episodes so we talked at the outset a lot of these things you all listening know about these things nothing earth-shattering there we just wanted to make sure we were on the same level same baseline of understanding we, we know what some of these challenges are you're all are facing them on a daily basis but it's about understanding that and adjusting our strategies and tactics perhaps that's to take away on that point point. and then we, we talked about creating this avatar this baseline of analyzing and giving a bit more thought to that ideal employee or employees that you have as a comparison point. So that's, I think one of the first key takeaways, David.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to identify, you know, where the characteristics of your really good employees and then then after that you can, it's easier to go figure out where you go get them.
0: Right. And we talked about sources of recruitment. We are always experimenting, always trying new things. We're always experimenting to see what works best and and we might revisit something just because it didn't work five years ago doesn't mean it might not work now, right?
1: Right, right. And one of the things I catch myself on, and I guess just doing this episode has given me some things to think about, but just because it didn't work three years ago doesn't mean you shouldn't try it again. So what's going to work for me is going to be different than what works for somebody else, depending on their geographical region and the economic situations that are going on uh, in their geographic region, but don't be afraid to try things that you tried before, and don't be afraid to try things that are that are considered to be new. And uh, you know, you're going to find those rich veins of quality employees if you keep working at it. If if you if you give up on it, it's just it's going to be a struggle.
0: Yeah. And we also talked about what are you looking for and how customer service skills has maybe become more important now than it might have been in the past. And we talked about that the reason we can do that to an extent is having other people, and we talked about a larger chain maybe has an advantage there, but that doesn't mean we can't execute on that same idea in a smaller or single unit environment where you have someone who is an expert on the mechanical stuff, and that allows you to hire a more customer service oriented person, right?
1: Right, right. I never get any complaints from customers who say I didn't like this guy's mechanical skills, <laughs> but I always get complaints from customers who say this person didn't treat me correctly or was abrupt or short with me and they, they didn't have or don't have good customer service skills. We'll talk about that later on. Can you train that or not? Can you train that into somebody? But uh, somebody who generally likes people, I think, is one, is one to me right now, is one of the most important char- characteristics to look for.
0: Yeah, great way to put it. And then we we touched on our philosophy on the job description and the fact that you don't want to just throw something together, but that you're actually writing a piece of advertisement that is probably the most critical ad, perhaps, that you write for your business.
1: Right, right. Yeah, spend some time with it and get some help with it if you're not good at it. But there are plenty of resources, probably in your town, HR recruiting sources that can help you with it. You might know somebody who's in human resources that can help you ride it. Um, But yeah, spend some time on it and I think it'll pay off.
0: And then we ended it with uh, the thing we'll repeat again many times that it's a process. And that you want to do this continuously, not just when you need it. You don't throw up the help wanted sign when somebody walks out. You ideally have someone to fill that position already.
1: Right, right. And, it, and and I'm the world's worst at this. So I'm not, I'm looking at myself when I say this, but um, you have got to be in continual hiring mode. You got to be thinking about hiring because there is a level of turnover in this industry. So you've got to be thinking about that all the time. And, you know, if it's something you don't like to do, then get some help with it. Hire somebody to do it. If you can hire somebody part time to do it, but you've got to find somebody in the organization, either yourself or someone else who can do this.
0: Okay, I think we've uh, covered this pretty well. Any last thoughts on the topic of recruiting before we close the episode?
1: No, nope, no, nope. It's, uh, it's certainly challenging, but uh, spend a little bit of time with it and I think it'll pay off in, in dividends.
0: Great, thanks, David. Thanks, Henry. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The How of Car Washing, And thanks to our show sponsor, Diamond Shine. Please visit us at thehowofcarwashing.com